Welcome to another episode of Electable. I'm Deb Chubb, and our podcast is sponsored by the Indiana Women's Action Movement. Um, today, we are uh, very pleased to be uh, talking with um, another U.S. congressional candidate on the Democratic ticket um, uh, up for election in 2022. This is Gary Snyder from Huntington uh, County, Huntington, the town of Huntington in Huntington County, in Indiana, in the third congressional district. So, um, so Gary, I'd love first to um, let you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and you know and and how you came to this decision to run. Okay. Well, uh, my name's Gary Snyder. Um, I am the father of seven children, six daughters. Uh, I've been married for twenty six and a half years to my wife Pepper. And uh, I currently am a small business owner. I uh, op own and operate Indiana Talks Network, which this show airs on <laughs> during the weekdays. Uh, well, actually, all week. Um, uh, it's a that's a digital radio station. That's uh, we, we market statewide. Uh, we have a a great national lineup, including the Stephanie Miller program, Tom Hartman. Uh, democracy now. And, and then we also carry, you know, uh, Hoosier based radio personalities like yourself. Uh, we run reruns of my show. And, uh, you know, some of the other great uh, Hoosier personalities, it is a left of center radio station. So if you're expecting to hear stuff like uh, you hear on WIBC or, or WoWo or any of those uh, wacko right stations, you're not going to hear that here. Uh, and then we also operate the Snide Report. Um, you can probably figure out how we got the name. Uh, but uh, that is a, a daily digital publication newsletter that goes out to about 50,000 uh, Hoosiers across the state of Indiana. And then we also have my Snide Report. The, the, the my is spelled M-I which right now goes to about 25,000 uh, Michiganders. Uh, and I found out the hard way, it's Michiganders. So, so that's what I do. My background, uh, I was on the radio for about four years. I did a three to six on WBAT out of Marion, did about six months at WoWo in Fort Wayne. Uh, before that, I was in the financial services industry. Uh, I got my start there as a, uh, an active trader at Charles Schwab, moved to the options desk, uh, went to the retail side at Merrill Lynch, and then finally, uh, after 9-11, uh, went into the, uh, we'll just say the compliance side and became the anti-money laundering officer for Fifth Third Securities and then eventually NRP Financial. I'm a veteran, served the United States Army. Uh, and the Indiana Army National Guard, both as a light infantryman and an MP. So that's a little bit about myself. Wow, that's great. I didn't even know all of that about you. So that's really, that's really interesting. And I do want to talk about your media expertise um, a little later, uh, just because that is such, you know, such a, an important issue and really impacts politics in such a you know visceral way so yeah. but first I'd love to um, 
I'd love to just tell, I, I want to talk about why this race is so important. Um, your opponent uh, is the incumbent um, con Congressman uh, Jim Banks. I don't know how that uh, gentleman ever got elected, um, but you know, he he's got elected and, um, and now we've seen, you know, what he's all about. So tell us why this, uh, this election is so important. You know, it's important because, you know, we're, we're watching, there, there's so many reasons why, why it's important. Uh, Jim was elected in 2016. Uh, he barely had a Democrat candidate then. There was a libertarian running against him in 2016, which happened to be my wife. Uh, wow, cool. So, so he, he won. Um, but, you know, when we take a look at, at Jim Bates' tenure in, the, uh, in, in Congress, you know, he, he likes to complain a lot about, um, uh, you know, gas prices, inflation. Um, you, you can go down the line, veterans. But the, the fact is, he's been there six years and has nothing to show for it, has no, nothing to show to the, the uh, you know, voters of the third district. And then when you throw in, you know, uh, January 6th, we're all watching these hearings. Um, they like to think that we're not, but you know, when you have 20, 25 million people watching these hearings, people are paying attention. And, and he uh, is, he, he, he's part of the January 6th. He, he tweeted about it. Senators are gonna get their steps in. And, you know, just to, to be honest, he's, he's a, and I like to say a, a threat to our democracy because whoever is elected this time will be choosing, will be voting to certify the next presidential election. He's already shown once that he is willing to throw out 81 million votes and try to install Trump illegally. Uh, and, and, you know, there's no indication that he will not do that again. Um, he likes to take on the culture war issues. That's all he talks about uh, uh, in, the, when, in Congress. You know, he, he, he's first in line to do genitalia check at, at local girls' soccer games to make sure there are no boys playing in the girls' soccer games. Uh, imaginary uh, CRT, you know, and, and I tell Jim all the time, Jim, I'll make you a deal. If you can find any school in Indiana's third congressional district that is teaching a, a master's level uh, program on race to kindergartners, I will join you and banning that. And so far, nothing. Uh, so he, he likes to lean into the culture wars, um, you know, but to be honest, that doesn't help put food on the table for hardworking families. That doesn't help put gas in gas tanks, you know, as we're paying, uh, you know, $5 a gallon now. That doesn't help lower the cost of prescription drugs. Uh, that doesn't help uh, veterans get the benefits that they need. Well, th those are all great reasons. I think, um, I, I, and I just don't think it can be overemphasized, um, the statement you made that um, he, you know, it's so important because he is a threat to democracy and him being reelected really does put our democracy at risk. And so I think that is really uh, one of the most powerful, uh, 
powerful statements that you've made. And I think that's really something that um, people really need to know because he really is out there on the edge, um, you know, uh, denying the outcome of the 2020 election and, um, and doing whatever he can to egg on um, people to violence and to overthrow, you know, overthrow our government. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the media work that you do, uh, because, you know, when I, you know, I was working with uh, Democratic women running for the state legislature in 2020, I'm doing it again this year. But uh, one of the things that we learned was that there was this insulated stream of information coming from na the national level right down into uh, the probably the radio stations you mentioned, you know, local small um, radio stations that people listen to out in the country where like you live, where mm -hmm. they don't have much internet. Um, and, and so they, they, they still listen to, you know, these small radio stations, um, you know, to get their local news. And they, it, it includes all kinds of, you know, I mean, really uh, racist and misogynistic, <laughs> um, you know, uh, programming. And uh, much of it, you know, based in religion and this, you know, like we're allowed to be, um, you know, bigots because our religion says we can. Um, so um, so how do you you know, how do we get around that as you know, as Democrats, how do we reach voters when they're being inundated with this nationalized messaging uh, that's coming to all of these particularly rural areas? Um. You know, it, it's it's difficult. When when I got fired from uh, WoWo in Fort Wayne, that's a fifty thousand watt station during the day. Um, they were they went back to programming that was you know everything you described and more. And you know, I thought to myself, you know, how do we get around that? So that's when we started the Indiana Talks Network. Uh, it originally was just uh, local personalities that couldn't get on the radio, but had something to offer. We were approached by Stephanie Miller. And, uh, and so we, we got her going. Uh, Tom Hartman joined in democracy now. So, so now we were starting to mirror a lot of in a lot of ways, the, the, uh, we'll just say over the air radio that uh, you, you hear in your car except we were, we were left of center, not far right. And um, that just continued to grow. And, you know, I had a friend of mine that was a Republican and he made fun of me a little bit saying, you know, it's only, you're only, you're only broadcasting or you're only marketing to 35 to 40% of Indiana. And I'm like, yeah, but 80% of them listen. Uh, so, so, you know, that was one way we found to get around, you know, what's happening uh, on your AM dial when you're, you're riding in your car and, and the, the, the very hateful messages that come from that type of radio. Uh, a good friend of mine, um, Robin Winston, uh, he suggested that maybe I start a newsletter too. Um, this was several years ago and, and I'm like, eh, you know, I'm kind of busy right now. And, and I didn't do it. And I, I'm kicking in myself to this day because we could have we could have had so much more if I would have just started those two years earlier. Uh, and he came around one other time and, and said, how about it, Gary? So we started it uh, and we started it with his help. And, and now 
we have grown to 50,000 plus uh, readers each day. And it is literally read by, um, you know, uh, the courthouses and city halls across Indiana, all the way into the White House. We have paid subscribers inside the White House. And, and so, you know, that, that part has been pretty awesome. Um, Dana Nessel, uh, the attorney general from uh, Michigan, her campaign reached out to me and asked me if I consider uh, starting um, the same type of newsletter up in Michigan, and they would, they would be our first sponsor. So, so we did that, and that's grown to about 25,000 subscribers. We have a daily open rate uh, on each one of about 33 to 35% and a, a monthly open rate of about 98%. Wow. Well, that's great. Uh, so, I mean, and I, I really applaud your efforts to really inform the Hoosiers because uh, it's hard. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast because that's what we learned in that in 2020. We just like, we couldn't get our messaging for all of our candidates. We couldn't get it out there. We couldn't get it to voters. I mean, we could get it to all the people who were going to vote for our candidates anyway, but we mm-hmm. couldn't get it out to the broader audience. So, um, so I really appreciate your your work in that area. I think. Well, I um, think one, I think one thing that that candidates need to keep in mind, and Republicans are notorious for doing this, and I shouldn't say notorious. It's actually a smart move on their part. Um, you know, we're very popular during the primary uh, because they're talking to Democrats. You know, our, our audience are your Democrat voters, your activists, mm-hmm. uh, your people of influence. But a lot of them tend to, you know, veer away towards the when the general republic general election comes. And, and I got to remind them, you know, l- go listen to uh, your AM talk radio and tell me how many how many Republican uh candidates you hear on there. You hear them all doing ads. I said, they're keeping their base fired up. And when you stop doing something that got you elected for your base and stop doing it for the general election, you know, um, your base thinks you're walking away from them because they're not hearing you every day like they were. So, uh, so you recommend um, uh, Democratic candidates trying to get onto local radio. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, at least, uh, at least, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go on local radio. I mean, to win my election, I need Republicans. I need those 35% of Republicans that really are disgusted with Jim Banks and, and Donald Trump, and they're out there. So, yeah, I mean, but we'll still, we'll still stay on Indiana Talks, too, because we want to make sure that our base is staying fired up also. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so um, tell me, what are the issues that are resonating in the third district? What's happening there, and uh, what are voters excited about? You know, um, just judging by emails that I send out for my campaign, uh, Democrats and and Republicans alike are really fired up about January sixth, uh, and and I know. I've had, you ran for office, everybody wants to offer you political advice. <laughs> everybody wants to be your campaign manager. Right. Um, and, and maybe I started doing that early on, but the one thing that keeps people fired up is the fact that Donald Trump and Jim Banks tried to overthrow our election 
and have the votes of 81 million Americans, more than any other presidential election in history, thrown out so they can install basically a puppet government of, of Donald Trump and, and to a certain extent, Jim Banks. So, and, well, that's great to hear that people are, um, you know, fired up about that. Uh, there's, are. you know, it's hard to know. I mean, I watch it. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm, you know, outraged and blown away. But I was already outraged, and you know, so, right. um, so I, you know, I hope that it's reaching more than people like me and you, uh, and yeah. people, other people are getting outraged by it. And you know, we can't look past though uh, that people are, you know, the inflation that's happening right now. Uh, you know, people are having trouble putting gas in their gas tank to get to work. Uh, that's partly due to inflation, your basic supply and demand. But let's keep in mind uh, why the, the price of gas has doubled uh, over the last year. Uh, oil profits have tripled and quadrupled. So I think that there is, there is a, a certain uh, part of what's happening is the price gouging. I don't doubt that for a minute. And now you, we've seen President uh, Biden say he's gonna ask for a three month uh, federal gas holiday, um, where here in Indiana, we're raising taxes again on gasoline going into July 1st. Can you imagine the uproar if instead of uh, getting rid of the gas tax, President Biden came on TV and the radio and said, we're going to go ahead and raise taxes again on gasoline because you're just not paying enough. Yeah. Well, I can't, yeah, I can't imagine. Um, it, yeah, it's just, and well, I will tell you though, I mean, I'm just, I'm shocked at, again, this media disinformation that's out there. I was at a protest um, where uh, Todd Young was going to show up. So we were out there protesting and um, and it was a populated place. It was a state park beach. So um, so we were out there and there were people walking by and there were um, young people who came along and said, oh, you know, I'm, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, I want to join your protest. It was great. Um, and then afterwards, I was talking to this young woman who um, was, uh, you know, showing us how to do TikTok because <laughs> <laughs> none of us could figure it out. And um, and it was very helpful and it was very nice. Um, but then she said something like, well, I don't like, you know, Joe Biden because, you know, the, the gas prices. I was like, dang it, like, what are you watching? What are people, what are people listening to or watching that is telling them that? I'm just, that blows me away every time I meet somebody like that. And you then know, she said, oh, and it's because he's also, it's because he's closed off the, the pipelines. And <laughs> you're like, what? Like, you know, it, it's uh, perception is a lot of people's reality. When you take a look at, at gas prices, because that seems to be num the number one issue right now. Um, you know, we are producing more, more oil in this country than we did when Joe Biden took office. We had the largest one-year drop in oil production in 2020 under President Trump. Gas prices started going up six months before Joe Biden took office and kept going up uh, until it looks like now they finally stabilized a little bit and are heading down a little. But uh, you know, this this inflation started way before uh, Joe Biden took office. You know, when you have when you're giving people money to survive and maybe not everyone needed it to survive and they put that money in the bank 
And when we come out of this pandemic and people start spending it and the supply is not there to keep up with it, then yes, you're gonna have inflationary pressures. That's what we're seeing now. But uh, you know, when you take a look at, at Target and Walmart, this is the financial advisor in me coming out. Yes, yes. But, you know, they have they have inflated inventories now. They are having sales a lot earlier and a lot more often than they have. So, you know, the 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 news is there that that prices will probably start coming down. Um, it, it's just going to take time for them to come down for supply to meet up with that demand. Great. All right. So uh, there's a number of other issues that I want to talk to you about. So okay. one of them, of course, is um, is labor. Um, you know, I've been so excited to see, you know, labor organizing on the rise. Um, you know, the labor market is on our side. Uh, people, I've, I, oh, I can't remember now the number, but many, you know, millions of jobs that are still laying open with no one, no one working them. Um, and something like, I think nationally 20 million uh, women who left, uh, professional women who left the workforce uh, in the pandemic who have not returned. Um, so, uh, so, so the question, of course, is um, how can we change the culture surrounding unions uh, so that people are more amenable to uh, unions, uh, such that uh, you know we can rebuild a middle class in this country? Well, first of all, we we start by passing the PRO Act. Uh, um, that that's a uh, labor friendly. Um, bill that, that helps build unions. And when unions are strong, families are strong. Right. Uh, we'll start by saying that. Um, and, you know, when we take a look at a lot of these job openings, you know, we need to take a look at, at uh, childcare. You know, when we look at childcare, uh, I have a daughter that pays almost 45 to 50% of her income to take her children to daycare. Um, whereas I support uh, President Biden's plan to cap daycare expenses at 7% of a family's income. That would allow and almost encourage the women that didn't go back to work after the pandemic to get back into the workforce. Uh, number two, we got to look at education. Indiana's education is deplorable. Um, you know, both the, the attack on public education and the amount of people going on to college. You know, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I had it to do over again, I mean, if I'm young, why would I go to college right now? Um, to be saddled with tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt. Uh, so, you know, we also need to start taking a look at A, uh, forgiving student loan debt, and B, making uh, public schools tuition free for people. Um, I, I think that's an investment we need to make in our young people. Uh, matter of fact, just our, our people in general. Um, you know, and I'll tell you a story. My son uh, works at a major retail grocer. I'll just say it, Kroger. And when, when he started there, um, he joined the union. He's, he was 16 when he started. So he is a union thug at 17. All right. And, uh, you know, at first he wasn't too happy they were taking that money out each 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 week. But, you know, as as he started working there and management maybe wasn't, uh, uh, you know, treating employers the way they should have been. We started telling him to talk to your union rep and he did. And and before you know it, 
you know, he was, he was coming home saying, you know, Hey, I have vacation. They never told me about, I have sick time. They never told me about, well, the union got that for him and they let him know that he had it because their employer wasn't. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, when, when people like my son, uh, when they, they get a taste of union, he, he won't, you know, he, he says he wants to switch jobs at some someday, but he's not going to do it unless he can get a union job. So I think the, the rise in unions, the popularity in unions and the important role they play in protecting workers a, against large corporations uh, is on the rise. And I think, I think numbers start to, are starting to reflect that. A little bit, yeah. Um, I, I'm really excited about the notion that um, industries who've never been uh, unionized before, particularly uh, industries dominated by women uh, who've never been unionized, I'm really excited at the possibility that they will, uh, you know, become more uh, more unions uh, that support women and, you know, mostly, you know, caretaking uh, sorts of industries, you know, child care, home health care, uh, nursing home care. Uh, nursing, nurse, you know, many nurses have uh, unions, but many don't. Um, so, uh, you know, and of course, we've seen that, um, you know, one particular uh, union that's dominated by women has been uh, just completely crushed by our state legislature. And that is, of course, the teachers union. Uh, they right. you know, go out of their way to just to crush that, uh, that union. So I'm really um, excited about this opportunity for women to step up and take leadership in uh, union organizing and uh, and really demanding benefits that support women's issues, uh, you know, paid maternity leave, uh, pregnancy accommodations in the workplace, child care, um, all of those issues that um, really uh, just are ignored now. So anyway, so that's my little piece on it. But <laughs> anyway, um, so okay, so now um, let's, let me switch uh, issues again. Let's talk about the environment. I don't know um, how uh, the third district ranks. I know uh, Indiana has more coal ash lagoons than any other state in the country. Uh, most of them are lying next to waterways uh, where, uh, from, uh, from which people draw their drinking water. Uh, that's the case where I live up here on Lake Michigan. We have coal ash lagoons sitting, you know, right next to the lake and they are leaching uh, their, you know, poisonous contents, arsenic, mercury, lead, all kinds of other terrible things um, into Lake Michigan. Um, and so I know that they are also on many of the rivers of Indiana. So I'm not sure how your uh, district um, stacks up as far as coal ash lagoons, um, but the, I mean, we have all kinds of issues all over the, the state. Of course, the underground plumes uh, south of Indianapolis, uh, in Franklin, and um, and then you know some deforestation issues we have to talk about, um, and of course the wetlands that are now um, like not protected, you know, hardly at all. I mean, right. a small amount of wetlands are still protected, but for the most part, wetlands are no longer protected in Indiana, um, which will you know wreak havoc, uh, frankly, on flooding and water quality issues uh, as we move forward. So tell us what your position is on all of those uh, environmental issues and what you'd like to do. Well, I'm not sure you know, where the third district ranks, but I know that, that Indiana as a whole ranks near the bottom when it comes to the, the clean air we breathe. It comes, it, it's towards the bottom in the clean water we drink. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's horrible. Um, and, you know, the, the Indiana General Assembly and, and to a certain extent, the, the, the four years prior to, to the uh, Biden administration 
the environment took a backseat to just about every corporate issue there was. And, and, you know, we were already bad. Now we're worse. And, you know, thank goodness we have someone like Joe Biden in office right now that is, again, putting the environment uh, as a priority. Um, but until we change the, the state house, you know, we may not see, you know, the, the benefits uh, of what the Biden administration is doing until we change uh, the culture down at the state house. Um, when we when we take a look at, you know, what Indiana has done when, when you know, getting rid of the the uh, subsidies for solar panels so people can go solar. Um, it, it's, it's horrible. And, you know, here in the third district, we have a town just to the, I guess that'd be to the west of us. Uh, it's called Andrews, a small town, uh, unlike, you know, not many small towns across Indiana. And they had a big plant in there at one point, I believe it, uh, it was, it was called Dana Corporation. And they can't drink the water that comes out of their taps from their wells because it is so polluted from a factory that has been gone for years. Wow. And, and, you know, our congressman has done nothing to help them. The state has done nothing to help them. And, and you know, they probably, uh, you know, use more bottled water uh, per capita than about probably any town or city in, in the state of Indiana. Uh, and, you know, if you don't have clean water uh, to drink and bathe in and fix your food, then, you know, your quality of life goes down because, uh, you know, A, you don't have that water available. You have to go purchase water and, and nobody wants to move to a town where they can't drink the water. Um, I support President Biden. I think it's time that we start offering corporations uh, incentives. Uh, and when I say incentives, I say incentives uh, followed by a heavy stick. Um, and, and I think that uh, we need more incentives to people like you and me uh, to, to become more climate, uh, more climate uh friendly. Um, you know, we're, we're going to uh, Glacier National Park at some point, and they have, uh, they have ice on their, their, or at least they did on one of their lakes. That's the longest that the ice has ever been on there. You know, when we start seeing uh, place after place, hurricanes, tornadoes, where they've never happened, uh, ice where it hasn't been this late, fires where there've never been fires before or more often uh, you know one of the our vacation last year we we were in phoenix or the grand canyon area and you know driving up to the grand canyon from from phoenix uh you know was was almost a light show in itself with the fires burning oh, wow. along the side of the road wow. and you know we have to we have to at some point realize that that climate change is real it's being facilitated by us and if we don't change it it may not be in my lifetime i'm getting old but you know life as we know it, it is going to be severely compromised 
because we are not paying attention to the environment now. I mean, I'll use this as an example. You know, Indiana is, is a uh, great place to be a sportsman. You know, there's a lot of places to go hunting, fishing, but when you go fishing and they're saying, don't eat the fish because there are carcinogens in it, then that's a problem. Right. Right. Um, so, and I do want to um, uh, call out the uh, the infrastructure bill that really is addressing um, places like uh, you mentioned, Andrews. Let's hope that that uh, municipality is able to get some of the uh, funding that's coming through the um, state revolving fund. Uh, many of the uh, the loans, those are state revolving fund, uh, is a loan program. Uh, but a lot of the infrastructure money is really just going to be increasing those budgets. Um, and uh, and there are opportunities for those loans to get forgiven by municipalities um, for hardship purposes or you know uh, difficult or um, neighborhoods. You so know, um, so I'm there is some opportunity you, I, coming up, and I'm really excited about that. Well, I'm glad you brought up the infrastructure bill because it's a bill that uh, it, it's a bipartisan bill, right? That that my opponent voted against. Oh. You know maybe. Maybe the roads that he drive on drives on where he lives in Virginia are aren't bad. But if he would ever come back here and drive the county roads, the state highways, even to a certain extent, the federal highways, um, you know, he would realize that this was much needed money for the district that he voted against. You know, it has a far reaching effect. You know, it expands Internet to places like me. You know, we're barely able to do this interview because. I have really crappy internet Ugh. and it expands the internet to places like my house, my neighbor's house, who's, who is a farmer, you know, and that infrastructure bill allows farmers. I have farmers all around me. It allows farmers to, to drive on, on good roads. So they don't tear up their equipment, safe bridges, uh, expands internet access out to people like us where they can use all the technology that, that they need to use to run their farm. My next door neighbor is a, is a, is a teacher. And you know when we were locked down uh, for the schools, he would have to go in to the school parking lot to teach his class because he does not get a good enough internet signal to teach his class. And while he's teaching that class, his children are in the back seat doing their classes because they don't have internet to do their classes at, at home. So the infrastructure bill is a once in a generation opportunity. Jim Banks voted against it. Oh, and and um, yeah, and it really is going to help a lot of these uh, smaller municipalities who have water issues, who have uh, combined sewer overflow problems, uh, where they can separate their storm sewers, and um, and otherwise, you know, do do more uh, work to help water quality in their in their municipalities. Um, you know, Absolutely. not just not just big infrastructure, but you know, everything from you know, uh, you know, uh, rain rain gardens and other green infrastructure that will really help water quality in their in their areas. So, all right, great. Okay, so wait, now what was the other issue that I wanted to get to? Let's see, well, is there anything else before I just, you know, run away with this again? Um, uh, anything else that you, you want to talk about? What are the issues that are in your platform that you think are the most important? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about the climate, we've talked about infrastructure, uh, we've talked about January 6th, 
I, I think there are two important issues coming up. The first one being the bipartisan gun bill that's passing. Oh, right. right. Um, uh, that, that's gonna that's gonna pass. Uh, it may not be everything that I want, uh, but you know, it's it's a start. I, I told people a long time ago when Newtown happened that if 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 21 dead kindergartners did it, do it, nothing will. Well, uh, apparently, you know, it was 19 dead fourth graders that, that at least get this started. Um, and, and then the second is, is obviously uh, Roe versus Wade. Um, that, that's going to be coming down. Now, we don't know how it's going to turn out. That was a, a draft opinion. It could change. But, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would guess not. And that's literally going to take a, a constitutional right away from women. And to me, that is, if that doesn't fire you up to vote as a woman, then nothing will. Because, you know, it, it's not only that they want to outlaw it in Indiana, uh, they want no exceptions. So if you are the victim of rape, or incest, um, Jim Banks has come out and said, you will carry that baby to term or you will go to prison and many times longer than the rapist or, or the uh, attacker himself. And, and if your life is in danger, um, you know, the, the, uh, the tubal pregnancies, uh, if your life is in danger from that, uh, you know, you're gonna die if, if you can't terminate that. So Jim Banks, my opponent and the Republicans are okay with women going to prison for not carrying a pregnancy to term or dying because they can't end a pregnancy. Let that sink in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's too much. It's too much to, to even get your head around some days. Um, I'm not sure where we'll go. Uh, at that point. Ugh, okay, sorry. Um, all right. So um, uh, I will say um, part of the new gun bill, which I was pleased to see, uh, would be uh, fixing the red flag laws um, right. that are out there. Um, uh, we've seen ours in Indiana be really kind of a failure. And so, um, so I'm really um, happy to see that that does really address a lot of issues for domestic violence. Um, you know, I mean, something like almost twice as many um, women died as a result of domestic violence in, during the pandemic uh, than before. And much of that is gun related. So, um, so let's hope that that does something to save uh, women's lives. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, I'm not sure where we're going to go with uh, Roe v. Wade. It's just, it's, uh, it's almost too much to get your head around it. The thought of, of that, of women losing their, you know, right to control their own body, their own futures, their own financial security um, is just, you can't, I, you just can't even believe it. I mean, never would, um, never would the court say to a man, um, you know, well, if, you know, if you're going to, um, you know, if you have a child, uh, you will have to give up your uh, financial security. Um, Two things yeah. <laughs> on the on the gun bill. Um, yes. You know, it's not everything that I wanted to see, but um, you know, while they they did put in, you know, expanded wait times for you know anyone under the age of twenty one. Think about that. Anyone under a teenager to buy an assault weapon. Right. Uh, well, well, wait a little longer. Well, 
Like, sorry, there's my FedEx delivery probably. That's all right. Sorry. But just think about that. I know myself at 18, the fact that an 18-year-old can go buy an assault weapon and walk around with it, uh, it, it, to me, is just amazing. And how we can let people buy guns without going through a background check, whether you're buying it from a, a dealer, from a gun show, or an individual, to me, is just insane. And, right. and and I forget my second point because I was focused on the gun. So sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's my dog. My dog does that kind of thing. So all right, great. Okay, so uh, we are running out of time. So Gary, um, okay. I know you need help with your campaign. Um, oh. We you've got to raise a lot of money to uh, beat out uh, Jim Banks and all of the uh, ads and mailers he's going to send out. So um, how can people help you? Well, first of all, they can go to, to SnyderForCongress.com, um, find out more about our campaign and donate. Uh, people, people really underestimate how much money it takes to run a congressional campaign. The amount of money I spend in gas alone right now, traveling to 13 counties every single day, has probably been our number one expense so far. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's 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 important. We're not taking uh, corporate money. We're not taking PAC money, uh, mainly because, as you know, it's usually not offered to the incumbent. But also it's not you know, I don't want to be beholden to a corporation, whether I agree with them or not, or a uh, or a political action committee. So donating is is obviously the the top the top uh, priority right now. We gotta you know we're not gonna match Jim Banks uh, in, in money. So what we have to do is come up with uh, different ways to get our message out. Thirteen counties that's an awful big area to go door to door on. But uh, you know we need we we need money for yard signs for digital ads. For walking piece, I mean it. The the it just goes on and on. Yeah. So donating number one, uh, number two, you know, take a sign, put it in your yard. Uh, you know that helps build name recognition. It shows support. Same with a bumper sticker, a bumper magnet. People don't put stickers on their cars anymore. So you know, there's just all different ways. But follow us on social media. Uh, you know, those are the ways that you can help. And, and, you know, this race is winnable. You know, the people that are helping me, um, you know, very smart people, the likes of Robin Winston and, yes. and, and, and others, they're very smart people. They've won red, they've won blue and red areas before. Uh, they know how to do this. We just need the resources to do it. Excellent. All right. Where can people find you? SnyderForCongress.com. You can search. Uh, you can search um, uh, Gary Snyder on Facebook or Twitter. It's probably pretty easy to find and, and follow along our campaign there. Sign up for our mailing list, email list. Um, you know, it's uh, all of it's important. Excellent, excellent. All right, great. All right, terrific. I, you know, I, I think you're a wonderful candidate, Gary. I think this is one of the most important races. Um, in Indiana, and um, and I really hope that people can uh, dig deep and um, you know pull out some 
coins from under the cushions, whatever you got to do to get some funding uh, to help you win. Because this well, I is very important. It. Yep. All right, great. All right, well, thank you so much, Gary, and um, we'll you. be following you, and uh, you know, and making sure that uh, we're paying attention to the campaign, and maybe you know, we'll have to do another podcast just to get an update as we move along. I appreciate it. All right, take care. Thank you.